Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Investor Lab. My name is Goose. My name is Gabby. And what are we talking about today, Gabby? <laughs> We're talking about metrics. We are talking about property metrics. metrics. We're talking about the hidden numbers that every property investor should know. <laughs> <laughs> We're not Sorry, talking about metros. Metros! Anyway. Okay, we're not talking uh, about it. Talking no. about financial metrics. Yes. Fun. <laughs> Fun. Look, financial unknown. Understanding n- of numbers. Financial Ooh. understanding of numbers. Yes. Fun. We'll have fun, fun, fun. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this one we've gone through basically all of the key metrics that people talk about in investing in general yep. um, and then the the actual kind of definitions of them and how they're relevant to property specifically and where people kind of get confused about them. Yeah, totally. Um, we, co- we cover a lot of ground. It can probably get a little bit wandering, a little bit uh, complex and stuff like that, but there's a couple of really big takeaways uh, in this episode, and I would love to hear back to see if this has been beneficial, and if we should cover this more of this kind of content. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I think this is going to be really good for anyone at any stage of investing. I think there's a lot of co- concepts we cover here that even seasoned investors don't understand, and and particularly people that are just starting out, they would do really, really well if they could understand this from the start. So I think it's going to be good for a broad range of people. I'm excited about it. I've been looking forward to kind of talking about this stuff actually for a good few weeks. Um, so I'm yep. really happy that we had the opportunity to talk about this today, Gabby. Yeah. So if you've ever if you've ever heard the terms like uh, return on investment, return on capital, cash, cash on cash on ca- return, internal rate of return, if you've ever heard those and wondered what the hell do they actually mean, this is the episode to listen to because we explain exactly what they mean and why they're all important. So and we even talking about we even talk about why principal repayments are profits, and I think that's a good one. So <laughs> it's important. Yes, it is important. All right, guys. Well, without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. Uh, we can't wait to see you on the inside. And if you like this, make sure you share it with someone, rate, review, do all the good stuff, pass this around, and let us know. Give us your feedback. Hello at dash.com.au. and we look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. You're joining Goose and Gabby. Gabby, how are you? I'm well, Goose. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. What's going on? Um, What's going on? Usual, got a a coffee. I don't have a coffee, actually. I'm lying. I'm lying already. You've been pretty caffeine, haven't you? I have not had a coffee since 2020. Wow. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Which for me is really impressive because I don't drink as much coffee as you do, but... I would drink maybe three or four a day, um, and I haven't had one since 2020. So it makes me sound like I drink like ten cups of coffee a day. <laughs> we Damn, as much do. as you do, I have six. But <laughs> you, jeez, I only have twenty. Um, <laughs> no, so I'm on. I'm on. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on the chai's. On the chai's, guys. Just in case you were wondering, I'm on the chai latte. Well, I've, I've also been cutting back on caffeine. No, you have crazy. Pretty- pretty extreme because I wasn't having yeah. that many more coffees than you. Um, sure. But, sure. But are we going heavy on the nootropics? Been having mm. been having mushroom tea. What's a nootropic? Oh, a nootropic is a chemical that stimulates better brain function. <laughs> Caffeine is actually a, new, a nootropic. Nootropic. Nut, 
Um, but there's heaps of them. There's heaps of all kinds of ones. And there's like, if you go, if you even scratch the surface of the biohacking world, you're going to be inundated with all these like, ooh, take this pill and it'll make you like Superman and stuff like yes. that. And there's more chemical-based ones and then there's um, more herbal-based ones. So I'm trying all the herbal, more herbal-oriented ones because all the chemical ones are just like, you know, they're, they're basically just drugs, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, no, but it's really good because what I'm actually finding is uh, I can cut back on the caffeine but keep up the um, the mental focus and stimulation and it's actually way better. Like it's actually a lot um, less edgy, I think, which is good. Mm, cool. Yeah, it's one of those things, biohacking, once you start researching it, it's like a whole other world. It's such a rabbit hole to go down. Totally, totally. Speaking of rabbit holes to go down, <laughs> yes. what are we talking about today? We're talking, we're talking about something that's – look, we've been actually chatting about this for the last hour or so, trying to wrap our heads around um, all these different metrics that people talk about in, um, in the property world, in the investing world, and how bloody confusing they are yeah. um, because they all kind of mean slightly similar things and people use them interchangeably like they um, have the same meaning. Yeah. So we thought we'd just kind of like <laughs> record this conversation trying to – nut out and explain where we've got to with them. Totally. Well, I, I just yeah. want to say like there's a lot of terminologies that get used in general investing which yeah. um, broadly speaking I think are very correct and I actually think that the way that most people talk about real estate is uh, in many cases largely incorrect because they'll use terminology which doesn't actually make sense and also mm -hmm. further to that they don't necessarily uh, aren't really paying attention to the numbers that actually give them a really good understanding of what's actually happening with their property portfolio, what's actually happening with their money more yep. specifically, right? Because real estate investing is is no different to any investing in any other asset class in a sense, right? There are big differences between investing in real estate and investing in, say, shares, you know, things like leverage and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you're measuring the performance of your money, because that's what we're all trying to do here, like we're going, hey... I've got a dollar. Where should I put my dollar so that it gets the most return back? Like, how do I make my money work hardest for me? But how do I do that uh, in the lowest risk way and all of that kind of stuff? And how do I measure? How do I weigh up things like illiquidity versus liquidity? Uh, and how do I make better decisions to to help me progress in life and and get further ahead? So this is what mm -hmm. it's all about, right? Now, some very simple ways that we kind of get this wrong, like really simple ways, is when we just talk about growth. And people can say, yeah. oh, well, you know, the average growth rate of property is about 6.8% over the last 30 years. And the average growth rate in shares is about, I don't know, it's about 7%. Well, they're basically the same. Uh, incorrect. Like wildly incorrect. <laughs> like, uh, wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong answer. Um, unless, of course, you're paying for properties in cash, right? Yep. So if you pay for a property in cash and you have no leverage on it, then okay, right, there's more direct correlations between housing and shares. Um, but the simple fact of the matter is that if you're if you're an intelligent investor, you're considering the, the efficient use of capital, you're, you're considering what the efficiency ratio is of the money that you have and how better you can use it, and that's probably going to involve leverage, right? Mm -hmm. And so what that does is then transforms the the relationship between the performance of your dollar versus the performance of the asset. Um, so 
there's a lot of stuff that um, I think people don't consider. They just go, oh, what's the gro- oh, how much is it going to grow by? What's the growth rate? But they're not actually thinking about things like, well, what's my return on capital? Uh, and what's my internal rate of return? And uh, what is the you know what is the gross yield or what is the gross operating income? What is the net yield? In fact, what is my cash on cash return? Okay, I think. I think if I had to pick out a couple of things, I, I really wish people paid a lot more attention to. It'd be return on capital or return on investment. And we can dig into that a little bit. Cash on cash return. I think that's huge, right? I think that's, that's, that's immense. And I think um, gross uh, profits, right? I think we should talk about profits a lot as well. So, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff when you start going, okay, what do all these terms mean? And if we actually look at the way people talk about uh, real estate, some of the terminology we use just doesn't even make sense. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I think with all of this, like you kind of touched on it before, but um, particularly people listening to this show, you know, we've got a bias towards real estate, but it ultimately is like we're in we're investing, right? This is what this game is about. So I'm really understanding each of these metrics and considering that it's helping you to make better decisions. It's helping you to go, okay, I'm actually putting my money into an investment vehicle. How is this vehicle going to be better than another vehicle? Because obviously we speak with people who are already like determined they're sold on real estate and they want to buy an asset. So the conversation is more about which property do I buy, right? Rather than mm. do I buy, I buy property estate, at all? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But even even in that, like you can have the most property like, yeah, property, property, woo, yeah, property, yay. But they're still thinking about the wrong numbers and not really understanding yeah. what that means for them. Yeah. Okay, so... Where do really, we start? <laughs> let's get, where do we start? Okay, so well, ultimately, what I want to try and do out of this is I want to give people a better understanding of how their money's working for them, and so they can make better decisions about yep. how they're distributing their capital, and then they can understand things like uh, debt service coverage ratios and all of that kind of stuff to make better investing decisions. I would like to start with return on capital versus return on investment. Cool. I think that's a good starting spot. What do you think? Awesome. Yeah, let's start with ROI because I think a lot of people like that's a really obvious high level investing term yeah so when we say ROI what do we mean well that's a good question because like what do we mean colloquially or what does it actually mean is probably the interesting thing like a lot of people say oh, what's the ROI but they don't really understand how they're measuring that they're saying mm-hmm. they, I've had people say to me oh yeah it depends on the ROI but what they're really talking about is like what is the net cash flow yeah like I've had people I've had people that have been that have been told oh yeah the, the return on investment is the cash flow, but that's not true at all, right? So the return on the investment, and I've had other people say that return on investment is is the is the growth of the asset, right? But neither of those are true, right? So the return on investment is the, is the ratio that you get by dividing the total returns, so cash flow and growth, by... The, by the by, their owned capital, right? So how much cash you put into it, right? So the, what, how much cash have you invested? So for example, let's use some numbers. If we bought a $500,000 property on an 80% loan-to-value ratio, okay, then we the total cost after stamp duty and all of that kind of stuff and all the rest of the bits and bobs would be about $125,000. Yep. Okay? So that is, that's the invested capital. Yep. Okay. And then the total returns would be the growth plus the cash flow versus that invested capital. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because that's the investment. Yeah. Yeah. Because the equation is like return on investment. So total return being both cash flow and appreciation or capital growth 
divided by the total investment. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, for example, if we had that $500,000 property, which is yielding, it, so let's say, uh, 6.2%, and the reason it's 6.2% is that's simple because it's $600 of $600 of rent, $500,000 $500, purchase price, $600 a week in rent, right? You would have after expenses, let's just say, uh, net net cash of let's just say $3,000 roughly, Yep. right? And let's say that property goes up by 10% in the first year. So then you would have a $500,000 property that's gone up by 10%, it'd be $50,000 yep. plus $3,000 of cash flow. Okay, so that would be $53,000. So then you would have the have $53,000 divided by $125,000. That would give you, and then times that by 100 to give you your percentage. That'd be a 42.4% return on investment. Does that make yep. sense? That does make sense. Which is very interesting because all these people are out there going, is it going to grow by 5% or 6% or 7%? Well, it's like, well, what's actually the return on your capital? Like, what's the return on your investment? That's the important thing to understand. Because when yep. you compare that with, say, the same amount of money invested in shares or Bitcoin or any of these other kind of things, it's probably not going to be 42.4%. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, so moving on then to ROC, return on capital, the yes. difference there is ROI being return on investment is based on your investment as an investor. So the the, the cost to get into that investment yeah. plus. versus plus. So, so return on capital is really interesting because return yeah. on capital, you might just think, okay, well, how much capital have I put into the deal? And you might think it's the same as return on investment, right? Yep. But that's not entirely true because you have your capital plus you have borrowed capital, okay? So you might go and say buy a $500,000 house and you might have a $100,000 deposit and get $400,000 debt and go, well, hey, it's, you know, my equity portion is $100,000. So I'm only putting 100 grand into the deal, mm -hmm. but you're actually borrowing another $400,000 of capital. Okay, because when you buy that from somebody else, guess what? Guess how much money they get? Five hundred thousand dollars, of course, minus selling costs and whatever. But they get five hundred thousand dollars. They don't get a hundred thousand dollars plus pixie dust. You know, <laughs> that, you know, they get five hundred thousand dollars. One day they will. Maybe exactly. Yeah. You know, who knows what's going to happen with blockchain? So, um, <laughs> but but the point of the matter is that you have your capital plus borrowed capital. It's all capital at the end of yep. the day, and that's why return on capital is different, right? Because return on capital is the ratio you get to, to get by dividing the total returns by the totally invested capital. So there's debt and equity, okay, and cash flow, right? So it's the total total returns. Um, yep. uh, total returns divided by the total debt and equity. And that's actually, that's basically growth and cash flow divided by the purchase price, basically. Yeah. And so this is where, um, again, we, we talk about like sh property versus shares quite a bit, but this is where property differs from shares because you can get, significantly good returns using leverage based like for a return on capital versus shares yeah totally and this is and this is the interesting uh this is the interesting thing to consider when you're thinking about leverage right because if you've got 50 percent leverage so a 50 percent loan to value ratio and you buy a property you're going to get a lower return on investment mm -hmm. than if you had 90 percent leverage Yep. And the simple fact of that is if the property price goes up by 10% and 
And in one scenario, you bought a $500,000 property, got $50,000, uh, deposit in it, it goes up by 10%, right? It goes up by $50,000, just forget about cash flow for a minute. You're going to have a 100% return on investment because you will have invested 50 grand, will have gone up in value by 50 grand, but it being, being 100%. If you have a 50% return, 50% uh, loan to value ratio, so you have $250,000 in the deal, uh, and then it goes up by 10%, so it goes up by $50,000, you're going to have, uh, what's that, uh, 20%, I think it is 20, 25, something like that, uh, return, return on investment. So it's wildly different. And this is where you need to think about using leverage to your advantage. However, don't, don't over leverage. You've got to consider your risk profile and all of those other variant factors because, of course, the more debt you have, the lower cash on cash return you have. So you've got to think about how that how that applies to your overarching investing strategy and how that all kind of works. But does that kind of do you think that's clear what the difference between return on capital and return on investment is? Yep, I think it is. Yep. Yeah. And so I think it's critical that every investor is thinking about what is their return on investment in real terms, like profit and cash flow. Profit being, you know, the appreciation as well as the as well as the returns. I think it's critically important because that's how you can really measure the efficacy of how you're using your money, the efficient distribution of capital. For sure. So, what about return on investment versus internal rate of return? Internal rate of return is an awesome metric to understand, but what's the difference? <laughs> Why do you like internal rate of return? I like internal rate of return because it calculates the return on investment uh, as well as time. Mm. Right. So, what you get is you, you get an annualized uh, understanding of what's happening with your money. So, for example, if you bought a $500,000 property, I'll keep using the same example so we've got similar numbers to work with, right? Yep. If we bought a $500,000 property and let's just say it went up by 35% over five years, which is not unreasonable at all, okay? And if it's, let's just assume it's on an 80% loan to value ratio uh, loan, then the return on investment over five years at a 6%, 6.2% yield plus a 35% growth rate would be a total cash return or a total profit profitability, let's put it that way, of about $236,150 roughly. All right? So that would be over a five-year period would be 189, we'll call it 190% return on investment. All right? So you've put in 125 grand at the start, five years later, you've made 236,000, we'll call it that. That's about 190% return on investment, which is pretty mm -hmm. awesome. But what's interesting is when you annualize the rate of return, you get then that gives you what what the annualized average is across all of the across all of the years, which gives you an, uh, an average total return rate of thirty seven point eight percent. Cool. So it's so it's a similar it's a similar metric, but it just it's a it's predominantly changes between time. Where like ROI is the total end to end time of you holding that asset yeah. versus internal rate of return is annually how is this asset performing for me? Totally. I just realized something in that calculation I did in the $236,000, I've also included selling costs, right? So that would be like if you sold it after capital gains and stuff, that would be your total return. Mm -hmm. So the actual total return would be higher than that. But the point, the point of the conversation around return on investment versus internal rate of return, it gives you your annual rate. Right, because yep. if you if you looked at if you said I'm going to invest in a property in year one, I'm going to put in a hundred grand. Twenty years later, you might have I don't know if you haven't touched it, if you haven't leveraged it, you could have I don't know a couple of thousand percent return on investment, and that's great. But what you really want to understand is what is the annual rate of return, and that allows you to assess the performance based against uh, based against another basket of asset classes as well. Yep. 
And that, but that also allows you to average your returns. So, for example, if you get 10% growth one year, 5% growth another, um, 9% growth another, uh, all of this kind of stuff, you can then start to average that and that'll give you average rate of return. And that, that gives you a more consistent perspective on what the total returns are. So, I actually, I actually really like it from a long-term performance metric uh, and also from a forecasting perspective because if you can then go, hey, once we combine cash flow and growth and forecast this out for the next, say, five or 10 years, what do we expect that return is, total return is going to be? Yep. And so, because it's um, it's an annualized version of ROI, mm-hmm. which ROI we determined is the total uh, return, so in growth and cash flow um, over your investment, so not the uh, leverage that you have, it's just your individual investment. Yeah. Um, acquisition costs and all that so it's the total acquisition costs are your investment but then the return every year so in year one it would be you know let's say 125,000 acquisition costs like Mm -hmm. using that example versus uh you might get a six percent total return that year yeah but then in year two you're still using that same 125,000 dollar entry cost versus whatever the return is for that year and that's your internal rate of return but you're still using the same uh investment as the base of that calculation yeah yeah cool yeah it's awesome right okay so we've covered return on capital right which is debt and equity right versus the versus the performance return on investment is your invested capital versus the total performance Return on investment or internal rate of return is the return on investment divided by time or annualized over multiple years. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about a few other things. Like now, let's, that's kind of like, all right, how do we measure our total returns? What about cash flow? How can we measure that better? Because as I mentioned, some people, they talk about things like, oh, what's the return on investment? Is it like what's the, and really what they're saying is a net yield, which is just wildly incorrect. Um, so, how can people better understand cash flow as it relates to their investment? Yeah, this one's been a tricky one because I think in property particularly, yield gets thrown around quite loosely as a term. Um, And so, you know, preparing for this episode as well, we were reading all about it and reading like, oh, okay, maybe people don't understand what yield actually means and what what, like gross yield is relatively, um, people understand that commonly and people get that. Right, so that's um, well. What, so, what's gross yield? Just let's not gloss over it. So, gross yield yeah. is gross yield is the uh, gross operating income, or said in plain English, the total amount of rent or revenue you're generating from the property yep. versus the purchase price. Right. So, the total yes. cost, total cost of the asset. So, your capital, so borrowed and owned capital versus the revenue. That's the gross yield. What's the relationship yep. between those two numbers? Okay. So people kind of understand that and they go, oh, yeah, what's the gross yield? What's the gross yield? Yeah, 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 cool. And we got get caught up with these gross yield numbers, um, but we never stop to think about, well, what happens after that? Like what happens about, mm-hmm. what's, our, what are our, what are, what's our net operating income? What's our net cash flow? How do we think about those kind of numbers? I think that's where a lot of people get lost. Yep. So how does, how does net yield differ then? Well, um, net yield, it's interesting. Okay. Firstly, like, well, I think we're going to talk about net operating income. Yeah, cool. Okay, and I'd love your perspective on this too because it's a really interesting it's a really interesting idea. Net operating income, technically, from a from a, a, a definition perspective, doesn't include the cost of debt. 
So your net operating income would be the gross income or the gross revenue minus the operating expenses, okay? So things like property management, insurance, rates. Uh, accounts, rates, water, um, any maintenance items, stuff like that. That would be the net. That would be the net operating expenses. Mm-hmm. But technically, net operating income doesn't include the cost of debt. Not when you're when, not when you're assessing the financial performance of an asset. Now, why would that be? That would be because um, you're basically you, with that. F- metric you're trying to determine the performance of the asset regardless of your personal kind of finance situation so depending on um your loan structure and what your repayments are and all of that um the metric is trying to figure out how does this asset perform uh regardless of your situation yeah totally does that explain it i think so right so and the reason for that is because an asset an asset is an asset right so your debt, you could have two percent interest rate, or you could have a low doc loan and a seven percent interest rate. Mm-hmm. Okay, that doesn't change the quality of the asset or the performance yep. of the asset. That changes the functional viability of whether or not you can afford to hold it. Okay, and that's something different. That is actually that is debt service coverage ratio, which is a very interesting metric to talk about as well. And in fact, we'll slip that in now because that's a really interesting one to to have in relationship to the net operating income. Okay, mm-hmm. so. If the net operating income is the gross income, uh, gross revenue produced by the asset minus the operating expenses, not including the cost of debt, the yep. reason for that is so that you can have an objective financial uh, assessment of the performance of a property. Okay, but then to understand how uh, that affects you, then you need to then you need to measure the debt service coverage ratio, which would be the net operating income divided by the cost of debt. Okay, mm-hmm. so what that means is you would then calculate how much is it, how much of the, how much is the debt going to cost me on this property? So what's your interest rate? Um, and interest rate is the cost of debt, not the principal, right? Because yeah. the principal is profits. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that statement in a minute. But it's a very important one to understand when you're thinking about how to assess um, your performance of your asset again, because because um, principal is profit. Um, so it's the cost of debt. So what is the interest rate? So what is the net operating income, which is the to- the gross income minus all of the operating expenses except for debt, divided by the interest rate of the or by by the by the interest portion of the debt that you've got. Does that, that make sense? Yep. Cool. So, so why yeah. why is DSCR important? Like why is that interesting to understand? Because that's going to allow you to know whether you're going to be net cash flow positive or not. Yep. Because if you've got a negative DSCR, then the cost of debt is going to be higher than what is than the than the net operating income. Yep, makes sense. Yeah, and so if the cost of debt is higher than the net operating income, you've got a negative DSCR, and therefore you won't be making any any cash profits. Right? You'll have a you'll have a negatively geared asset. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's super important to understand what your debt service coverage ratio is and how to calculate that. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Okay, so now that we've covered that, so that we've got the gross gross operating income is the total revenue, and then the gross yield is the total revenue divided by the total cost of the asset, including debt. Uh, the debt. So then the net operating income is how much cash is left over after the expenses, not including debt. And then you've got the debt service coverage ratio, which is the net operating income divided by the cost of debt. Okay, which is really interesting. And then. 
what you've actually got after if uh, what, the, another metric that you've got is if you then include the net operating income and in, also include the cost of debt relative to your circumstances, then you get to net cash flow. Which is yes. interesting. Which is interesting, right? Because that's ultimately like that's net yield. So you hear people talk about net yield. And this is the one that's kind of confused me the most mm. um, because um, as we were saying, it shouldn't really take into consideration your personal financial situation. Mm. Um, it should be a metric to show the performance of an asset um, versus like net yield. We tend to think about it as uh, like net cash flow percentage yeah. rather than um, the, the the proper definition of net yield where it's it doesn't include um, your like principal repayments. So in the way that we use it is it's um, your net net operating income, but then minus the cost of the debt, so the interest repayments, but then also if you're paying down the principal, it would take into consider that because from out the way that we use it, we like to figure out like what is the net like cash flow percentage that's left over from this asset for you as an investor. Um, whereas technically it shouldn't include principal repayments at all. Yeah. yeah. So I like to call it the fully net yield, right? Because technically net technically technically net yield is the net operating income divided by the total cost of the asset. Okay. And that wouldn't include yep. the cost of debt. Yes. Right? But but that's not really like by the true definition of how like what is the net net? Some people call it some net people net. call it net net and I call yep. it fully net. Right. But what is the net of the <laughs> net once you actually add back in the cost of debt as well, which is obviously a real cost. And this is how you then calculate the profitability or the uh, or the, ca- the the cash flow of your asset. So then, then the way then uh, then you would include the cost of debt into your operating expenses. So it'd be net operating expenses plus the cost of debt, mm-hmm. uh, not including principal payments, yep. and that would give you your uh, net cash flow. And that would then then you would divide that net cash flow divided by uh, the the cost Purchase of the cost. asset. Yeah, cost yep. cost of the asset. So cost of equity plus plus debt. Yep. Um, so then that would give you your your net yield, which is pretty interesting. But that's very different from cash on cash return as well. How is it different? Well, this is <laughs> and this is a fascinating <laughs> thing because everyone gets caught up in all of these kind of like generally top line numbers. What's the gross yield? What's the growth? Mm. But they don't think about things like what's the return on investment? What's yep. the internal rate of return? And what's the cash on cash return? Okay. So... If we took a five hundred thousand dollar property, which was six point two percent gross yield, and if we then said uh, it had net cash flow of three thousand dollars, okay, yep, and if we said that we invested one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars into the asset once we factored in stamp duty, cost of purchasing, all of these other kind of aspects, we would have three thousand divided by one hundred and twenty five thousand times 100, that would give us a 2.4% cash on cash return, which is pretty awesome. Like That's that is good, yeah. pretty good. Uh, you know, that 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 is how much cash, cash flow you are getting in relation to the actual capital that you invested. So the cash on cash or said in another way, cash on capital, cash on, cash on investment, COI is another way to think about it. 
And so when you need, to, when you're thinking about how am I going to get my dollars to work well for me, you need to understand all of these things. Like a lot of that kind of stuff, like net operating income versus net yield versus uh, blah blah blah. It's kind of like that's kind of technical kind of stuff, and it's really interesting to know, and it's really interesting to understand. But if you had to ask me, you know, what are the what are the what are the two metrics that I would want to know in order to effectively assess? Uh, whether or not I wanted to buy something, uh, buy an investment, I'd measure it on two bases. What's the return on investment or what's the expected return on investment? Like I'm putting in this much money, how much money am I going to get back? And what's the cash on cash return? Like that's mm-hmm. the real, that's 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 where it really, that's where it really washes up. Debt service co- coverage ratio, it's like, okay, well, am I going to be negatively yet or not? It's just going to put, am I going to produce more income than I'm going to use? Um, net, net operating income and all of that kind of stuff is like, okay, what's the, how does this asset stack up from a performance perspective? But I want to think about how does this affect me and what am I going to get out of it? If I'm going to put in 100 grand into an asset, what am I going to get back? What is the total return I'm going to get back? What what percentage of that is going to be cash flow? And is that the most effective way that I can be using my money to get me to where I want to go? Yep. And if we circle, if we circle back to ROI, so if we look at ROI versus cash on cash, yeah. there's um, ROI based on your investment so your cash investment yeah is what we use in roi but that's on total return so that's cash net cash flow plus capital growth um or appreciation whereas cash on cash return is your cash investment and the return just through cash flow so yeah exactly exactly so that's where the difference is where um in roi you're considering the uh growth of the asset into in your total return there whereas cash on cash is just the cash flow yeah. Yep. It, now, let's loop back to something that we started touching on earlier, and that is mm-hmm. the fact that principal payments are profits, not cost of debt. A lot of people say, oh, yes. but my, my mortgage repayments are so high. I'm, on, I'm paying principal and interest, and then oh, it's costing me so much money. It's actually the, the interest component is the cost of debt. Yep. The principal component, that's profit. Right, because that is equity that you are putting back into the back back into the asset. Right, that is cash flow that you are sacrificing in order to put money onto the balance sheet. Simple as that. So that is your owned equity. So what you what you're essentially saying, if you had, let me use the let me use the example of the five hundred thousand dollar property yielding at six point two percent again. Let's assume an interest rate of three percent just to have a baseline. If it was interest only. And we were not paying any principal down in year one, based on a based on some preordained uh, property management rates and insurance and all of this kind of stuff. The net cash flow would be eleven thousand three hundred dollars thereabouts. Right mm-hmm. now, if we decided to pay principal as well, the net cash would be about three grand. So let's just say eleven thousand dollars minus three thousand dollars. Right, that's eight thousand dollars of cash that we've decided to put back into the asset. So that's pure profit. Right, there's no other way to view that. And so a lot of people get caught up in the cost of debt, and they think, oh, it's costing me all this money to to pay down these assets. When in actuality, what you're doing is you're banking profits, and you're just putting those profits aside in the asset. I think that's a real headbender for people to get their head around because if you really think about it, you know, the interest component on your investment is the tax deductible component because that's an operating cost of your real estate business. Uh, and the principal payment is just pure profit. Okay. So then you can choose, do you want your profits to be in free cash flow, or do you pro- want your profits to be on the balance sheet as equity? Think about that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's actually, I was thinking about how funny it is, that how common, how frequently we refer to like 
um, balance sheets and profit and loss statements to try and um, explain and wrap our heads around um, these kind of concepts. And we talk about it quite a lot between us. Um, but for all the for all the accountants in the room, um, you can picture like a, like a balance sheet. There's like assets minus liabilities. Uh, sorry, assets equals liabilities plus equity. So your liability would be your loan, so your debt um, that you have with the bank. So that when you're paying down the principal, you're basically reducing that loan, which means that your equity, your owner's equity portion, is increasing. So that's yeah. kind of what you mean when you say paying down the principal is actually just profits because it's your equity that's increasing. Totally. And if we think yeah. about this from a business perspective as well, which is what we should of course be doing because yes. we are, you know, we're serious property investors and real estate investing is a business enterprise. Yep. Um, if we think about it like that, so it there's what different ways to run a business too. So you can have you can have high growth, high equity businesses. They got very low cash flow. They're typically the ones that you need to go and raise a lot of capital for, right? Mm-hmm. They're typically ones where you need to get outside investment, do capital raises and all of that kind of stuff. And you might have a lot of equity on the balance sheet, but no no operating cash flow. Uh, so it's this it's this equation that happens in in real time. Like you've got different types of businesses will have different financial structures. The key to having a healthy business that can grow effectively without having to seek outside investment and diluting your equity portions, and in other words, a JV is probably another way to think about that in in real estate. You know, like Mm -hmm. hey, uh, uh, I don't have enough cash flow to fund this. Can I need somebody else to come into the deal as well? Can you give me some capital? That would be a JV, right? So, but in 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 business, we'd call that you know uh, an equity partner or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's the same kind of thing. So we can then choose how do we want to operate our real estate business. Are we generating enough equity already? Do we want? Are we comfortable with the amount of cash flow we have within and outside the the asset? Should we have a higher amount of? Um, should we have a higher amount of cash flow? Should we should we take our? Should we keep our profits liquid by having an interest only loan? That's one mm-hmm. way to think about it, keeping my profits liquid. Uh, yep. Or if you if you want to reduce the total cost of debt over the macro, you know, are you better off to pay that down? There's all these different ways to think about it. But understanding that understanding that principal payments are not the cost of debt, right? That's that's yep. that's you banking profits and stockpiling. That's putting you putting money under the mattress is the easiest way to think about it. Um, now that that what happens though, of course, as you reduce your debt. Right, so as you bank profits and put them into the asset, you're and you're reducing the amount of borrowed equity. Okay, so you're reducing the amount of debt you have. You obviously decrease the cost of debt because you have less debt to equity. Yes. Right, and so what that can do over the macro is increase the cash flow. Okay, so yep. you've got to play short, short game and long game with this. But if you can understand that the the, the principle is not you. Oh, I'm not paying back. You know, I'm not just giving money to the bank. You're actually giving money to yourself, and that's pure profits. And if you were to look at, if you were to look at your real estate uh, investment using, you know, generally accepted accounting principles, GAAP, um, you would see that that would ring true for you too. I think, and I think the more that we can start to get our heads around these kind of numbers and start to think in um, in these kind of terms, I think we'll, we can make more empowered decisions. What do you think? Yeah, I think thinking about it as. Um profits is important particularly for like assessing your own portfolio strategy because i think you know you spend a bit of time explaining to clients as well like depending on how much capital they have when they're starting their portfolio or their next purchase or whatever um 
different finance strategies are going to make sense for them depending on how much you know profits you want to keep liquid in your bank account or if you'd prefer to pay down your loan um to increase your cash flow and there's it's it's important to understand from a cash flow perspective yeah totally 100 percent. so for example if someone's got like a two million dollar borrowing capacity but they've only got fifty thousand dollars in cash yeah. Uh, and in fact, had this situation recently. Uh, there's a couple. They're 40 years old. Um, they haven't, you know, they haven't made any investments before. They're starting to realise that they don't want to work forever. They want to get ahead. They've only got fifty thousand dollars. They've got a high cost of living because they've got a few kids. They've got all this kind of stuff. But they've got plenty of borrowing capacity, and they just don't have much cash. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's probably more important for them to accelerate their capital, use leverage, right? Uh, and there's, it's less important for them to worry about cash flow because they have a high amount of borrowing capacity. They've got a lot of bandwidth left and they've got yep. some, they have plenty of free cash flow and pretty good incomes. And so if you can understand the relationship between um, capital and debt availability as well, you can make uh, stronger decisions on that front too. So anyway, geez, we covered a lot of really kind of, <laughs> I, hope, I hope that this wasn't too uh, complex. If I can just, if, I, the only, if the biggest takeaways from this, I think <laughs> that people should understand, right? Is return on investment, it's yes. a big one, and cash on cash return, that's another big one, yep. and that principles, principal repayments are profits. I think those three principles, those three concepts out of all of this are the most important for people to understand. And I think that if they can get their heads around that, that'll transform the way they start to think about uh, their assets and their capital allocation within their assets. What do you think? Totally. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I think for a couple of other resources that we really like in um to to wrap your head around these metrics because as we've like re- touched on really high level but there's heaps to um heaps heaps more uh to understand about this topic but like investopedia is a really good resource um and there's also po- propertymetrics.com um which is more property specific but they i find they're really helpful resources if you're keen to get a bit more familiar with them and and up up your uh, understanding so Totally. Yeah, I love Investopedia. It's a great, yeah, it's, it's such good. a great, such a good resource. I love it. Yep. Anyway, guys, if you've enjoyed this, let us know. If you've, if this has helped change the way that you think about uh, your investment and the way you're using your capital in your investment, let us know. Send us an email. Uh, reach out to us. Hello at dash dot dot com dot au. And if you have any ideas on the things that you need to know, if you've got questions, if there's things that you need to know more about, send in your questions. Because if you can send in your <laughs> questions, what we what we would love to do is we would love to collect a whole bunch of questions and then we do a Q&A style episode, right? So if you send in any questions you've got, we might not answer them straight away, but send in your questions. And then what we'll do is we'll have an episode where we just work through all of the questions and answer them for everyone. Because what I've learned is if one person has a question that they've asked, a hundred other people have got that question in their mind and want that asked as well. So there's no such thing as a bad question. Send them in and we'll do a Q&A episode coming up too. And we are very nearly about to hit episode 100. I'm super excited for that, Gabby. Wow. 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 And for all of those people who have been listening uh, so far uh, and have listened to all the episodes, thank you. Uh, we appreciate it and we love the feedback and we love having you here. So if there's anything we can do to serve you better, make sure you let us know. And of course, make sure you share this with somebody else, a friend, a family, a loved one. And if you are on whatever platform you're on, make sure you like, share, rate, review, do all the good stuff. It means the world to us. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.